0: from tyranny, everything for liberty,
1: and they thought so we would be, America, land of the
0: free. Welcome back. I'm Amelia Hamilton, and this is the Growing Patriot Podcast. When we left off last time, a big war had just ended, and Great Britain needed to pay it off. So they were taxing the American colonies and trying to make them pay for it. But the American colonies weren't really used to that. They had been pretty much left alone. And aside from that, there was nobody in Britain who was speaking up for the American colonies. There was no representation, no one representing them. In this episode, we're going to talk about how the British government kept trying to get money out of the American colonies through taxation, and how the colonists said, no taxation without representation. Are you ready?
1: Hi, I'm Sadie. I'm nine years old and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Here are my questions What were some of the ways the British government overtaxed the colonists?
0: What was the Stamp Act?
1: What role did the various acts play in making the colonists rebel?
0: Now let's meet our other guest who's here to answer those questions for Sadie.
1: Well, my name is Matthew Hurt and I am the Director of External Relationships for a training foundation called the Grassroots Leadership Academy. So what I do is I travel all across the United States meeting with different communities and groups and and people to teach them how to get involved in our American electoral process.
0: Well, that sounds exciting.
1: It's a lot of fun, and the more people know about getting involved in the process and learning more about the way our our system of government works, the more excited they are to make change in their community.
0: Yeah. Well, that kind of goes along with a lot about what we're talking about this week, where people, the British, or excuse me, the American colonists, started getting pretty excited about things that were going on and started getting pretty involved. Um, So what we're talking about now is after the French and Indian War, the British had to pay off some pretty big war debts and they started raising taxes against the American colonists without really asking the American colonists what they thought about that. Um, and that started cr- to create some problems before that they hadn't had before. So to get into Sadie's questions, what were some of the ways that the British government was overtaxing the colonists?
1: There were two major taxes that really frustrated and, and made the colonists angry. And the first one was the the Sugar Act, which basically taxed any uh, anything that had sugar, anything that had molasses. Which uh, which uh, I love cereal, so you know I think about that. My mm-hmm. my uh, my Fruit Loops would be more expensive today. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that really made the colonists angry was this this notion of the Stamp Act. And a lot of people think of the Stamp Act as oh that's just something that when I mail a letter. But no, it was actually anything that was produced on paper. So it was uh, legal documents. It was something as simple as playing cards. all had to have this, uh, this British stamp. And not only, not only that, but there was another layer of frustration. The colonists couldn't pay for it with colonial paper money. They had to have British currency to pay for it. And, and that was scarce in the colonies at the time.
0: Okay. And actually that kinda of went into her second question, which is what was the Stamp Act? So it sounds like you covered that one too. Um, so her third question is what role did those acts play in making the colonists feel like they needed to rebel against Britain?
1: A lot of the colonists felt that because Britain was so far away, you know, it took it took many, many weeks and months to travel to Britain by boat. Uh, those colonists felt like they were not being represented at all. And so whenever the British king uh, or parliament would enact a new law or new regulation, uh, the colonists felt like they were not being heard because they didn't have anyone in parliament who represented them. So, all of these people who were making rules and regulations had no idea what it was like to live in the colonies. They did not interact with colonists. They didn't go to church with colonists. They didn't see them, you know, in the market. And so, they really. Those rulemakers really didn't know what was going on in the United States, or at the time in the in the colonies. And those colonists said, "Well, this isn't fair. We we essentially have taxation without representation. Nobody is fighting for us in the parliament."
0: Mm-hmm. And that idea of no taxation without representation was a really big deal. Um, so why why is representation so so important? And like you said, that's still even part of what what your job is today is helping people get really involved and make sure their voices are heard
1: so many people realize at the local level in their towns and cities or at the state level uh, or even at the national level that it is important for us to make our voices heard when our lawmakers who we elect go to make decisions on our behalf so our our form of government is a is representative it's a republic so we send people on our behalf to make decisions and when, when there aren't people who are making decisions for us, or when they aren't listening to us, um, that can be very frustrating.
0: So was this kind of kind of something new for the colonists at that time, that idea that, that they deserved to be listened to?
1: This was definitely a new concept. And, and to go back just a moment to the Stamp Act uh, we talked about a moment ago, mm-hmm. the Stamp Act was the first time that the British crown, the king, directly passed. Uh, the colonists, and so this was a that was a completely new concept to them in the 1760s, and they got so upset by it that a year later, that the, the protests and everything sort of mounted, and a year later, Parliament repealed that Stamp Act, and so in fact, because a percentage of colonists got so upset, they were so frustrated uh, that Parliament listened to them, and they they sort of it's funny they sort of. Wedged themselves into being represented a little bit. And so mm-hmm. we look at that and we look at the percentage of, of colonists who were upset What ultimately led to the revolution a lot of times? Uh, historians say a third of, of colonists wanted revolution and a third wanted to remain British subjects and a third were sort of uh, On the fence about it. It was actually closer to about 20 percent. So one in five people wanted to break off from uh, from Great Britain, they wanted to become their own country, and it took a lot of persuasion. And this is this is what we do today in, in politics: is we persuade our neighbors to agree with us mm-hmm. uh, until we build a a majority of people who say, "Okay, we're going to pass this law, or we're going to enact um, you know this new this new thing."
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's about um, you know building those. Those um, relationships and getting your voice heard, and I know we're going to be talking a lot about you know, groups like the Sons of Liberty that all all got together and, like you said, made your, made your voices heard and persuaded each other, and and we're going to be talking a lot too about just the power of of language.
1: One of the really cool things that I've seen as, as I travel the country and talk to to people of all ages and all stripes and all backgrounds is if just a very few people get together. Um, you know, they can make a significant change in their communities. And and even if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a young person and you say, well, nobody listens to me, I'm just a kid, uh, the adults don't care, I've seen young people make an impact in the political process as well. And so if you have an understanding about what it means to be American, about what these freedoms that we are we are guaranteed, these rights which are, enshrined in our Constitution, uh, you can go out and make the case in your community to your friends at school, to your neighbors, to the folks at church, to the folks in, in the community, and you can change hearts and minds and move the ball toward more freedom and more opportunity.
0: That, that is an exciting thing to think about. And your kids were involved back then, too.
1: They were. So many, and, and, and a lot of people don't realize this, the average age of the Founders, was they were in their late twenties and early thirties. So you're thinking now, I'm 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 in elementary school, or I'm I'm coming up on middle school, or thinking about high school. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these founders who helped create this great nation were young people, and and they were they were putting it all on the line. You know, they were they were sometimes sacrificing as they as said their lives. Their fortunes and their sacred honor to create and establish this wonderful country, and it was because they were brave. It was because they they knew there was something bigger than themselves that they had to do, and they took that responsibility and they and they represented their brothers and sisters in the community uh, to help create this great nation.
0: Yeah, and again, you you again um, you use that word represented, and that goes back to. To the idea, you know, for, for this episode, which is the no taxation without representation, and the idea that you know, the more the more local, you know, they wanted the representation to be here in the colonies, and there were some colonial governments, but then Britain decided that they really wanted to be in charge again, which the colonists weren't used to.
1: The British government um, had, had established a few governing bodies here in the colonies, and then as colonists. You know, when you get a little bit of taste of freedom, you know, when when bedtime is become eight thirty instead of eight, or sure. you get that extra snack, um, you you really begin to appreciate those expanded freedoms. And the colonists were getting used to freedom. And not only that, but they were so far away; they were the colonists were so far away from the governing body that it was almost like they didn't even think about the governing uh, the the parliament except when they were engaging in, in the Stamp Act or except when they wanted to buy something and there was, there was a huge tariff, and it was a constant reminder of how frustrating it was for them. And so, you know, as you said, Amelia, um, those decisions made at the most local level. So when you think about the school in your community or that park or the library or what you should do to, you know, something like feeding the hungry or providing the homeless with a place to live, a shelter. You know, people come together at the most local level in their towns and their communities to solve those problems most effectively. And even today, we're realizing that Washington, D.C. is really far away from uh, where a lot of people live, and they don't think about Washington because they're they're concerned with solving the problems in their own communities. And I think that's what the colonists were thinking, too, is, is government is so far away from us um, that you know, we would rather do this on our own than have to wait months and months on a decision from somebody who is just going to tell us no anyway.
0: Sure, especially because back then, you know, with travel and communications, it was an ocean away on a boat and writing letters, and you know, certainly you couldn't send someone a text message or get on an airplane either.
1: It would take weeks and weeks and months and, uh, to even send a message. And then for that message to to return, it was weeks and weeks and months again. And so it, it's really fascinating to me, you know, thinking about what the colonists were going through at the time, that the Stamp Act was, was, was enacted in seventeen sixty five and it was it was almost a year later. It was it was just shy of a year that it was repealed. And so you have to you have to think. Wow, these colonists got really frustrated, and that word traveled very quickly, mm-hmm. much more quickly than many of the other uh, interactions between the colonists and, and the British crown.
0: And I think about it from the other side, too, that for a king, that had to be pretty interesting. Um, you know, they really wouldn't have had a lot of experience with people, especially in a colony like that, pushing back and saying, no, we deserve, we deserve to be heard, too, and then actually for the king to change his mind and say, okay, you can have your way. That must have been really something for, for George III over there.
1: There is a big difference in the way a uh, monarchy, which is which is when you have a king, uh, a lot of people at that time thought the king was ordained by God, that, that he would be the ruler of, a, of those people. And we really sort of, uh, the American experiment changed that and really revolutionized it in a way that said, the individual is, is is supreme. The the you know, you and your community make the best decisions for yourselves and we are going to empower you to select your representatives who will go to you know, go to Washington DC or go to Richmond, Virginia, or go to, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, and represent you on your behalf rather than having someone who who would make decisions for you uh, without your consent or without your input.
0: Yeah, so, you know, from from then until now, it's really all about being represented and people, it's important to be heard. That's really what it all comes it down to.
1: And, and, and I can't stress enough that what I've seen is when just a few people get together, you know, as, as, as small as a handful, three, four, five people, they can really make a change in their community. One of my friends uh, who's a member of Congress, who and, and congressmen represent 700, 800,000 people he says that if just 20 people call his office on an issue um, and he is he's on the fence about it, that really informs his decision. And so it, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't, as, as, as uh, Samuel Adams, uh, I believe, said, it, it doesn't take a majority to prevail, just a, a, a tireless, a keen minority uh, who will set brush fires in the minds of men. And what that means is who will inspire their friends and neighbors to go and take action. It doesn't take a lot of people, just, just a handful.
0: Yeah, well, that certainly is, is one thing that happened when when Britain started started kind of pushing the boundaries. They they certainly inspired people, but maybe not the way they meant to.
1: <laughs> and and what, what you know what came of that? It was an awesome an awesome reflection of, of this American ideal, this American experiment. And we have now, for more than two hundred years, uh, been the the beacon of freedom around the world. People look to us. And they say, that is what we want in our government. That is what we want in in our people, is people who are represented by those they send to Washington or wherever um, and make decisions on our behalf. And people yearn to be like us, yearn to be like America.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. This was great to learn about how all of this got started and the idea of no taxation without representation and how that really took off to be... The idea of you know our voices being heard and it's grown throughout the centuries and still matters so much today.
1: It was really awesome to be with you. Thank you.
0: So what do you think? Would you want to be text without being represented? No way. And neither did the British colonists. <laughs> So let's talk about what we learned today. A couple of the really big unpopular taxes were one on sugar, which was anything with sugar or molasses, so anything that made your food sweet. And the Stamp Act, which was anything on paper, so that was really important. You could hardly get anything done without using paper, and that made it really expensive. Plus, with the Stamp Act, you had to use British money. You couldn't use your American colonial money. The Stamp Act is also really important because it was the first direct tax. It was the first time that Great Britain directly taxed the American colonists, and that was a big deal. Part of why the idea of no taxation without representation was so important was just because Britain was so far away. It took so long to get to Britain. It took so long even to get a letter to Britain. There was nobody in Parliament just there to speak for them, but to send somebody or to send a letter and get a letter back, it took weeks. So instead... Parliament, which is the government in Britain, was just making decisions for the American colonists. So people were feeling really, really frustrated because they weren't being heard. But the idea that people deserved to be heard was actually really new. Before then, kings and queens pretty much told people what to do, and people just did it. Maybe they didn't like it, but people really didn't think that they had a right to anything else. So this changed a lot. It changed how people saw kings and queens and the whole deal. Groups of just a few people got together and made big changes, even young people in their 20s. People had an idea of what it would mean to be American and what it would mean to be free, and they were willing to be brave enough to stand up for that. And that was something completely new and completely exciting. And in our next episode, we're going to see what happens when they're ready to fight for it. Until then... Remember, you can check out all the episodes of the podcast and the Growing Patriot books at growingpatriots.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Growing Patriots. Be sure to follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen and tell a couple of friends. And we will see you next time as things start to heat up in the 18th century. Goodbye until then.
1: We would be America